0: Man, what a privilege it is mine to be home today. I sneak in three or four times a year in the early service, then I can go to another church. But it's good to be here today in this service. So um, my job as a district superintendent is to oversee 82 churches. 78 are registered or organized and four are groups meeting. We hope... We hope by district assembly, we'll have three more new churches. That's really exciting. Um, Two weeks ago, I was preaching in the Norwood church. Norwood got really, really low, almost closed. Our Springdale church took them on as a PAC, a parent affiliated congregation. And the church is doing well. Two Sundays ago was the first time they've had over a hundred in decades. And that is exciting. Last week I was at our newest English-speaking church, It sounds funny, doesn't it? But we've got Korean here and Swahili and Harmatia and Spanish and Arabic. And I don't speak any, well, I speak a little Spanish, but uh, those churches are but our newest English church is in the Vandalia, North Dayton area. And for the first time ever they had 78. And that is fabulous. So the Lord is at work. We do have churches that are struggling. But uh, it is a privilege of mine to be with you. And now, you know, you might think, wow, what a big job. I just want to help you understand that um, next Sunday I'll be preaching to three people. Uh, The church has five, but the pastor and his wife will be on vacation, so I'm filling in there. And uh, I'll be preaching to three. Isn't that something? But uh, God is faithful, whatever the size of the church, and it's my privilege to be with them. So this morning, I want to jump right into the Word. It is John chapter 15. Please turn with me in your Bibles. Please turn with me in your devices and and get to Scripture. I really believe you should know and carry your Scripture and study it every day. So it is my task, where we are in this process of preaching, is that this is the last of the I Am statements of Jesus Now, I don't know what next week is. I don't know if you're doing them in order. But this is the last one that Jesus spoke. I am the true vine. And um, my father is the gardener. Now, that picture is really, it, it didn't come out very well, but it's supposed to be one of the original pictures of the Holy of Holies in the Temple Mount of Jerusalem. And you can see it is, there. We, oh, there it is. That's what it looks like. Thank you, Jordan, that's excellent. But would you look on the columns going up to the top and across the top? Those brown things are vines. Because you see, Jerusalem and Israel was known for its fruit. Uh, you would remember back in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 23, and it says, When the spies went to the valley of Eshkol they picked a single cluster of grapes, one cluster of grapes, and it took two men to carry it on a pole. They were fruitful. It was really something. And for these disciples, they have just come out of what we would call the Last Supper. And they are walking through Jerusalem. They're going down to the Temple Mount. I wish we could all be there and show that to you. And then they're going to go down, on down to the Kidron Valley. And they're going to cross and go up to the other side on the the Mount of Olives. uh, The Garden. And so, these people understood vines. And Jesus is now walking with them out of this Last Supper, and and he's talking to them. He's been talking to these disciples for three years, but he's now saying what he thinks is the very most important thing he could say, because he has told them that he's going to go away. So, you know, Jesus is walking with them, and he'd say, hey, hey, Chris, how's, how's morning basketball? Great, great, great! Hey, Patrick's, how, how's Jill's marriage? Don't it been about a year, hasn't it? Good, good, good. Hey, uh, since I'm going away, I won't be able to eat at Gold Star or Skyline, whichever you're a fan of. Would Would all of you go to those places and have a coney dog for me? Maybe three, maybe six, but three probably. My my wives. That sounds really funny. Cut down on my hot dog intake, so I can't have as many now. But um, hey, let's. Skyline, hey, hey, Bengals had a pretty good season, didn't they? Next year's going to be better, don't you think? Whoa, what's the deal here? So Jesus is talking to him and he says, I want to tell you something. And to these disciples, this is earth shattering. This is shaking them. This is a surprise. And he says, and let's just read it there in chapter 15, beginning in verse 1 I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. My father is, in some of the translations, the vine dresser. If it were in English, it would say, My father is the gardener. <laughs> he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit." He will, she will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." It's a huge statement because, see, until now, the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, thought they were the vine. Because, you see, when they went to the Valley of Eskel and they brought out this big load of grapes, they thought Jerusalem, Israel, is the vine. We have all of this fruit. But later on in the Old Testament, in Numbers, in in Isaiah 5, 1-7, it says, "...wild grapes instead of good ones." All of a sudden, Israel was reproducing wild grapes. Have you had grapes that aren't good? Something's wrong. And, and they just don't, you just have to spit them out. And, and God says in Isaiah that you're producing wild grapes instead of good ones. In Jeremiah two twenty one, he said, the vine, Israel, is now degenerate. It's useless. And then in Hosea 10, one and two, You are selfish vine that produces fruit only for itself. You are a disobedient Israel. You are a disobedient vine. Wow, what a shock. You know, this is like Jesus is saying, Hey, hey, hey disciples, the fact that you're from Jerusalem, the the fact that you say we are Israelites. There's no secret there. There, There's nothing big about that. Because Israel, most of Israel, and and the people of God have become degenerates. They've become selfish unto themselves. Would you say our culture has kind of become selfish? I would. Shame on us. Right. Right. So Jesus is saying, it's time for you to understand, not that you are from Israel, not that you live in Jerusalem, not that you're a part of the church of the Nazarene. Can you believe I said that? That doesn't mean much. Jesus says, I am the vine, not Israel, not you, Jesus is the vine, you are the branches. I walked out of my office on the way over here this morning, and I found a little branch. It was laying right outside the door. I said, thank you, Lord, for a sermon illustration. And and you can probably see this. There are no fresh buds. This is the time of year when you see buds on trees, and your crocuses are out, and all of that stuff. What's a croak? But at any rate, this has fallen off of a tree, and you can just see I walked in the door and it bumped and it, and it was brittle and broke. Um, a vine apart from a branch, apart from the vine, is useless. It's wasted. And what happens? You just throw it in the fire. Well, it, it's good for burning, but that's it. We don't speak a lot about judgment these days. This text says... If you are outside of the vine of Jesus Christ, you're dead. You're useless. You have degenerated. And you are not a part of Christ. And you will be burnt. Wow, that's not very fun. So this morning, and and I told you that I loved you and Duck, but I do love you. You're my favorite people. Some of you were smart and waited till I left to come, but you're still my favorite people. I have to tell you, this scripture is absolutely true. Jesus Christ is the vine. Not me, not you, not any person. Jesus is the vine, and we are all branches off of the vine. And there are two things That happen to branches. Did you hear what they are? Number one, they are pruned so that they can be more fruitful, more productive, or they are thrown off as no good and burned. Here's the question. Are you fruitful? Are you being pruned? I think a lot of us think we we come to a place in our life when we can just coast. We we can just kind of make it on earth. hey, I'll I'll go to church, I'll give to the offering, I'll do this, I'll do that, but I'm just kind of, I spent my time, I'm just coasting now. That, That doesn't work. God will prune us till the day we are with Him. God is pruning the branches to be more fruitful. Or, we have fallen off, we are not a part of him, and it's bad news, judgment. So this is, this is the question. Now, I need to tell you that this is something that I kind of struggle with, and I'm sharing with you my heart now. You see, because sometimes we say, God has called me to be faithful. True statement. God calls me to be faithful 100% of the time if if i do something outside of him i'm no longer faithful these disciples that were walking with him as far as we know only one was with him at the crucifixion the others had taken off in fear of their own persecutions so faithful but faithful doesn't just mean i show up faithful means i'm in him i'm in christ He's alive in me. You probably know that from the vine, the, the branches grow because of living sap. <laughs> it's something you don't hear in church a lot, but, but Jesus Christ is sending living sap into us. And if that living sap is going through you, you will be productive. You will not only be faithful, you will be fruitful. I go to a lot of churches... And sometimes there just aren't very many people there. And they'll say, but Pastor Bob, we're being faithful. And I want to say, if you're really being faithful, if you're in the vine, then you would also be fruitful. Now, okay, you know what faithful means? It means I'm in Christ all the time. It says that we remain in him, his word remains in us. That word is logos. And and that is the entirety of God's word. That's not a couple of your favorite scriptures. That is the whole scripture of who Christ is. So he will remain in us completely, in his entirety. So we should be the entirety of Christ. We should be all Christ. And if that happens... You will bear fruit. So, what's fruit? I I have two simple answers. One is, and we get it in Galatians, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, gentleness. You got all those? In other words, if God is in you, you should be getting more and more like Him. You should have the fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that some Christians aren't very kind You've not encountered that? I I think that would be a tip off that they aren't bearing fruit. They haven't allowed the person of Christ to temper them and mold them into his kindness. Jesus Christ is always kind, joyful. Do you know some people that are like joy suckers and not joyful? You probably do. I I would question the fruit. We we eat these little uh, cuties every morning, or little, I call them tangerines. That's my age, I guess. And you know, sometimes you peel that. It's one of my favorite parts of breakfast. You peel it open, and you take a bite, and you go, yuck! It's sometimes really sour. And I had one a couple weeks ago. It was totally dried up, and I just took it out. But this morning, mmm, mm good. You know a fruit. You know if it's wild. You know if it's dead. You know if it's productive. You know if it's fruitful. And so we should be in the fruit of the Spirit. But here's the second part. We should be fruitful in producing disciples. Ooh. I think every church should grow. Because if it has the people of Christ in it, and Christ is coursing through their veins, then people will be attracted to them, and they'll want what they have, and and they'll come to Christ, and the church will grow. We can't just say, well, I'm faithful. God expects us all to be also to be fruitful, or He will cast us out and put us in the fire. It's not that we're just called to be faithful. We are called to be fruitful. Now, I have to tell you, uh, there's a pastor not in the Church of the Nazarene. He's in Florida. And I I was listening to him probably a month ago. And he said, I have led 10,000 people to Jesus. And I went, praise the Lord, but yuck. He's kind of bragging that he's led 10,000 people to Jesus. I haven't. I can't, I I could give you some names, but it's not about the number, but it's it's that we are constantly wanting to bring people to Jesus. But now here's a second part of that. Some of those people that I've had the privilege of being with them when they accepted Jesus aren't here today. Or they have fallen away, or they have chosen to live themselves as divine and and they haven't really become the disciples that God calls us to be wow fruitful faithful but fruitful and I need, I constantly in prayer, God says, you need to check back and you need to take that guy to lunch. You need to meet with that guy and you need to, you need to follow up. You need to be making disciples. Not only that someone prayed at an altar and, and I went, wow, I was privileged to be a part of that. There you go. There's a new believer. But my call is to make disciples. Now you might say, I, I can't do that. I don't have that gift. Yeah, you do. God puts in all of us living sap. And if we're faithful, we will be fruitful. It's in every Christian. It's in every person. There should be someone in your life that you are hoping to bring to Christ. You should have a prayer list that has names of people who are not yet Christians. You need to be doing what you can do to win people to Jesus. You don't win them, but you are a part of the process. You are expected to be fruitful. And if you're not, it tells me that you are off the vine. It tells me that you don't have living sap in you. You're full of yourself and not full of Jesus Christ. This is the call. Who inspects the fruit? I don't. I get pastor's reports every year, but those are they're numbers that represent people. I believe they're important. But God is the inspector of the fruit. He's the farmer. My grandpa Tuck, grandpa Mahaffey, had a 100-acre farm. He had a glass eye. He was kind of all bent over. I never saw him in anything, but bibbed overhauls. And we'd go every third Sunday down to grandma Tuck's house for for lunch. And sometimes he'd say... Come on with me, Bobby. And we'd go out and walk. And he would pull a shuck off of a corn to see if it was producing a good ear. Or he would stop and look at the blue blackberries to see if they were healthy on the vine. It's the nature of a farmer to not only plant, but to harvest. And so God is the one who is checking out our harvest of fruitfulness. Nobody's here to judge you today. I'm not getting on any one of you But I'm saying that Jesus Christ is the vine, and the Father God is the vine dresser, the husbandman, the farmer, and He is the one who looks at us and said, that person has the fruits of the Spirit. That person is making disciples. That person is bearing fruit. So how do you bear fruit? How do you do it? I think it's pretty simple. You live in Christ. It's not that one day I stepped into, well, a baptismal place back there, or a baptismal tub right here, or knelt by my bed and accepted Jesus. But I not only accepted Jesus at some point in my life, but Jesus is Lord of my life. He's real in my life. I'll tell you a quick story. I don't know if I'm running out of time yet or not. I know I've got a time limit here. But as being my job, I have this church where I'm speaking next Sunday that runs five people. And it has a building, a pretty good-sized building. And, and you know, it. I'm not being mean to those people, but it's probably... I live on monday i wonder who's going to call me and tell me they've given up who's going to call me and say hey we're tired we don't have any money the building leaks we we need a new roof we we just need to close and my goal is not to let any church close there are some that might have to but i'm going to do my best to keep it open so this church the five I found a young guy that I really like. He's 29. He's been through seminary. He was a part of another faith, but he's a Westland Arminian. He believes what we believe. And I want him. He lives near this church. And so we we have five people that meet one hour in a building all week, one hour. And I'm asking them if they will allow this guy and some of his friends to come in and start another church in the same building. You've done that with the Korean church. You've done that with other churches. And I'm hoping they will let me bring in a new start. But do you know what? Well, it's okay if they don't cost us anything because we don't have anything. Well, it's okay as long as we can still meet at 11 o'clock, because that's what time church is. They can come in at 9, they can come in at 2. And, and you know what? I don't, oh, I feel bad saying this. I don't think they have a kingdom priority of making disciples. I think they've become ingrown and selfish. I hope this isn't taped think it is I've got another church it has four people that sit around a white plastic Sunday school table and they put a phone in the middle of the room they don't do live stream or anything they put a phone on speaker and there are six people that call in it's a church of ten. Four live six not so live and so I was praying and I was saying Lord I really, 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 really need a young, sharp pastor for that church. And I, I can't find one. A, a lot of younger pastors don't want to, what I call, dig out a church. They want a church that's, you know, doing pretty well, or they want a church with lights and fog and all this stuff. And I said, Lord, I really need a young pastor for that church. And within one week, I I called God's Bible School, great school, and they said, well, we don't know anyone that fits that bill. And so then I asked a guy that went to God's Bible School and he said, I'm not there anymore, I don't know anyone. And then he said, but my wife still goes there and she'll ask a friend. And so she asked her friend and the friend said, oh, I know exactly who he needs. And so I called this guy and I invited to take him to lunch. And we sat for three hours and I found out that he believes exactly what we believe. I found out that he believes God has called him to grow, start a church. I believe that he already has 15 or 20 people and they're renting a church, not where they want to be, but miles away because it was a church that would allow them to meet in their building very inexpensively. And he says, I really want my church to be right here. And it's where this church is that has four live and six not so live they meet one hour in the building and that's all and I went to them and I said I think I have a great pastor for you and they they said well we, we have this other guy that we want he's one of our four and he preaches every week around the table no offense I love him I really do but the people aren't aren't changing they aren't They haven't got the living sap. And so I'm asking God, would you please help us to grow a church in that building. The man has already visited most of the people's houses and asked them if they know Jesus and if they have a church. That's old fashioned, that's old school. Nobody's doing that much anymore. And the Lord sent me this 32 year old guy with four beautiful little girls. I want him to be a pastor right there. But sometimes people say, praise God, we're faithful. But God's calling us and expecting us to also be fruitful. So there's a way you can pray with me and for me. But this isn't about church. This isn't about this district. This is about you and me. So, this morning, the question is Are you connected? Remain in me and I in you, and together we will bear fruit. Ask whatever you want in my name, and I will give it to you. In Christ, He will give. But you know what the purpose of that is? Not so that you can have a new car or a boat or a new house, or it's so that the, the kingdom of heaven will grow. It's for the fruitfulness of Jesus Christ in our world. It's not a selfish thing. It's about His call on us. Jesus is walking with His disciples one of the very last chances that He will and He is looking at the vines growing on the temple. He's looking at the vines growing on these stores at storefronts in Jerusalem. He's looking at the grape dealers and the pomegranate dealers and the fig dealers. He walks down the hill maybe across that little kidron brook and maybe they're burning the dead vines that day because they're right there by the water. And He starts walking up the other side he walks up to the mount of olives and you know what there are 4000-year-old trees there still standing and there is also there are vines growing around them and there are vines on the fences it's a place that understands fruit and Jesus says to you and to me Jesus says I'm the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And if you don't bear fruit, sorry, this is the word of the Lord. Two simple statements. This story is not just about grapes, figs, pomegranates this story is about our relationship with jesus christ and we are either in the vine or we're apart from the vine if we're in the vine if we're in the vine we will have the fruit of the spirit growing in us and we will be making disciples not because we're good but because the power of God is a living sap in us to change people's lives. This is God's Word.